Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. I want to talk today about the technical word mindfulness in English. This touches both on the two talks I just gave on translation and on the long series of podcasts on Satipatthana I gave before that. In fact, the reason it occurred to me that listeners might find some talks on translation helpful was that while delivering the talks on Satipatthana, I made a decision. The standard translation of Sati in Pali is mindfulness, and it seems to have been so since the 1800s. However, I decided I was no longer going to adhere to that translation. I will translate sati henceforth as recollection. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I alternate between concentration and composure as a translation for samadhi, depending on context. Concentration, because it is immediately understood, and composure, because it is a more precise reflection of the Pali. During my 22 podcast talks on the Satipatthana, I similarly alternated between mindfulness and recollection as a translation of sati, depending on context. However, my decision with regard to sati is henceforth to use recollection in any context, at least until I change my mind. Note, I am not saying mindfulness is not a critical feature of Buddhist practice. It is. I am just saying that it is not what the Pali word sati means. Sati is best translated as recollection, not as mindfulness. Mindfulness has been defined by modern teachers and therapists in many ways, but generally has to do with attentiveness to the present situation. That is not what sati means. Similarly, I maintain that sama sati, the seventh fold of the eightfold path, is best translated as right recollection and not as right mindfulness. What is recollected? The Dharma is recollected each moment in sama sati. Satipatthana is best translated as recollection attentiveness not as foundations of mindfulness. Anapanasati is best translated as breathing recollection, not mindfulness of breathing. The word most accurately translated as mindfulness is upatana, the other component of the compound satipatana, otherwise translated as attending to something. But even there, we have to be careful because the word mindfulness has taken on so many meanings in the modern context. Today, I will explain my reasons for not translating sati as mindfulness. First, recall a week or so ago, I advised 
that if the Buddha uses an everyday Pali word as a technical term, that we do best to choose the equivalent English everyday term. That avoids imposing our favorite interpretation on it in cases of controversy. Well, sati is an everyday Pali word, and it means memory, and corresponds to the verb sarati, which means remember or recollect. So recollection is a neutral translation for us, even if its technical sense varies from that. Second, every time the Buddha gives an explicit definition or example of what sati means, it means recollection. For instance, in the Samyutta Nikaya we get, Whenever bhikkhus a bhikkhu dwelling thus withdrawn recollects that Dhamma and thinks it over on that occasion, the awakening factor of sati is aroused by the bhikkhu. The bhikkhu develops the awakening factor of sati at that time. We also get, And what is the faculty of sati? Here monks, the noble disciple is satiful, possessing utmost sati and discernment, recalling and bearing in mind even things that were done and said long ago. This is called the faculty of sati. In the Anguttara Nikaya, we get an almost identical passage describing the qualities of a gatekeeper, followed by, with sati as his gatekeeper, the noble disciple abandons the unwholesome and develops the wholesome, abandons what is blameworthy and develops what is blameless, and maintains himself in purity. How do we abandon what is unwholesome and develop what is wholesome? By remembering the Dhamma, what the Dhamma has to say about the matter. Third, Sati's cognate word in Sanskrit, Smirti, already had a technical definition in the Brahmanic tradition at the time of the Buddha, specifically in reference to memory of sacred Brahmanic texts, or even to the body of sacred texts itself. Since the early Buddhists emulated, uniquely among other religious traditions in India at the time, the practice of preserving texts through rote memory, it is expected that they would emulate the technical sense of smirti, giving us recollection of the Dharma. Fourth, right sati is generally equated with satipatthana, which in turn does seem to be about mindfulness. And what bhikkhus is right recollection? Here a bhikkhu dwells examining the body in the body, ardent, clearly comprehending, recollective, having removed covetousness and displeasure, in regard to the world. Then the same things repeated for feelings and feelings, mind and mind, and phenomena and phenomena. This is right recollection. And satipatthana, in turn, is a compound of sati and upatana. And upatana already means attentiveness, which is roughly what mindfulness is. So sati must mean something else, not mindfulness or else the compound is redundant. 
The definition of satipatthana as a whole seems to describe attentiveness in more detail, but then includes sati as one of the main factors in that definition. Now, the compound satipatthana actually gives us a clue as to how sati might have come to mean attentiveness by itself rather than recollection in the later tradition. The commentary seemed to have misunderstood satipatthana as sati plus patana rather than sati plus upatana, giving us the meaning foundations of sati with no attentiveness. But since the definition in the text of sati patana is clearly about attentiveness, it would be natural to attribute attentiveness to sati. Moreover, recollection and attentiveness sound like two distinct things, but do tend to arise together in practice anyway. And this brings us to the fifth point. Fifth, recollection and attentiveness are functionally paired. They are two sides of one coin almost always. Buddhism is a practice tradition. That means the task we perform in the present as practice is guided by the knowledge and skills we have learned in the past as dharma. The compound satipatthana is the precise expression of these two sides to the one coin. If we accept the sati is recollection and upatana is attentiveness, we recollect the dharma in order to attend to the task. Let's take a non-dharmic example to illustrate this pairing. In order to successfully defuse a bomb, we must bring to mind at the right time all of the appropriate skills and knowledge we acquired at bomb school. That is recollection. Then we must carefully monitor many details of the situation at hand, including the potential for the bomb to shift position, the potential ways the device might be triggered, the movements of our clumsy fingers, and so on. That is attentiveness. Attentiveness and recollection sound like two different things, since one seems concerned with the present and the other with the past. Nevertheless, the two are inextricably dependent on each other for the unlearned worldling and even more for the skilled practitioner. When we get one, we generally get the other. Let me elaborate how attentiveness and recollection are intertwined. First, recollection is also something we do in the present. Even though what we remember is past, because its on-the-spot successful operation depends on sensitivity to present circumstances, we humans are relatively skilled in bringing exactly those knowledge, skills, standards, and values to mind as they are needed in the present situation. Human memory is associative. It is generally triggered when something presently attended to reminds us of something, which is thereby recollected in that instant. This makes recollection dependent on attentiveness. Second, attentiveness tends to be nebulous 
and unfocused in the absence of bringing to mind at least the degree of background knowledge necessary to interpret the present situation. For instance, it's much easier for an experienced bird watcher to be fully aware of and attentive to birds in the bush than it is for someone who has no idea what he's looking at, no knowledge of markings, nor of bird calls, nor of flight patterns. Similarly, a person brought up exclusively on Euro disco music will have trouble in sustaining attentiveness through a string quartet. It might not even sound like music. This makes attentiveness dependent on recollection. Third, today's attention is tomorrow's recollection. What we attend to now affects the learning of the knowledge and skills that we then carry into the future and recollect as we attend to similar things then. Attentiveness aids retention in memory, and repeated attentiveness is critical in the acquisition and internalization of skills. We learn most deeply by doing, and we do this most effectively by applying what we have learned. This makes recollection and attentiveness mutually dependent. And fourth, recollection is the basis of continuity of attention. Attentiveness is intentional control of attention, generally by continuing to place attention into a previously determined scope or within previous determined parameters of relevance. This entails keeping the intention in mind. Continuity requires, at a minimum, recollection of what the intended task is. This makes attentiveness dependent on recollection. In summary, attention already incorporates recollection, and recollection already incorporates attention, in general, in practice situations. They are two sides of one coin. This coin of recollection and attentiveness is precisely where the rubber of dharma meets the road of practice where pariyati meets patipati. So, this is by way of showing that mindfulness is a poor translation of sati, even though sati is closely associated in practice with attentiveness as a component of satipatthana. Mindfulness is nonetheless the standard translation of sati and has been for well over a century. I pointed out a week or two ago that concentration, greed, suffering, and many other standard technical terms are not optimal translations of their Pali equivalents, yet we retain them because they are readily understood under the recognition that they are technical terms, distinguished from their everyday meanings. Why don't I want to keep mindfulness as a technical term for sati? My concern is that the term mindfulness is misleading to the point that it damages our understanding of the Dharma. The technical term mindfulness has taken on a plethora of meanings in the modern context as it is now used both within Buddhism and outside of Buddhism 
in applications of clinical psychology and in popular self-help. Many of these meanings are even contradictory. A technical term is useful only as a more or less consistent meaning is maintained by a community of adepts in some field of knowledge. Buddhist teachers and translators have basically lost control of the meaning of mindfulness as a technical term, which has proliferated into many meanings, perhaps with a common core, but a core removed from the essential meaning of recollection, in particular in samasati, right recollection, as recollection of the Dharma. Sati is what brings Dharma into practice. If this is obscured, then the practice of satipatthana or vipassana is misunderstood, and it is obscured if we assume sati is bare awareness or preconceptual awareness or being present non-judgmentally or encountering each moment anew without preconceptions. So, this is my argument that mindfulness is not a good translation of Pali Sati, and that the word mindfulness itself has, since it was first coined, wandered far enough in meaning from the Dharmic concept of Sati that it should be abandoned as a translation of Sati. I don't suppose it will be abandoned, maybe just by me. My argument is not that there is no mindfulness or that the various understandings of what mindfulness means do not reflect real meditative experiences. I myself practiced what I thought was sati and called mindfulness for many years, and what I practiced was part of solid Buddhist practice. I just didn't know it wasn't sati until I looked very hard at what early Buddhist texts say about sati. I had been practicing mindfulness just fine, but I had not been practicing sati adequately because I had been misled by the translation. This leaves open the question of where is mindfulness found in the early Buddhist texts. I have suggested that mindfulness applies better to upatana, which I've translated as attentiveness, than to sati. But I think the answer is actually more nuanced than this. I will talk about this next week. Thank you.